five days a week at five thirty in the morning we would we would hike up the mountain super steep and our whole goal was not to stop to make it up as fast as we could up at top of the mountain i'd visualize me being an nba player and i'd visualize success and i did that for about three months every morning five days a week and by the end of the three months I remember just being up top and I, I visualized and worked so hard for it. I knew I was an NBA player. Welcome back to another episode of Mavs Archives. I'm here tonight with a former Mav from the 2017-2018 squad, Kyle Collinsworth joining me all the way from Japan. Kyle, how are you? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you, and uh, thanks for joining me. Of course. Before we talk about your your time as a Mav and, and that whole experience, I really like to learn about a, uh, a former player's basketball journey. So I know you were growing up in Utah. What initially got you interested in playing the sport? Uh, I have two older brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one closest to me is three years older than me. So he was already, by the time I swore five, he's already, you know, playing junior jazz and playing basketball. So I just started following him around to his games and hanging out with his friends. And, you know, in order for me to to play with his friends, I had to get good at basketball. So that's where <laughs> it kind of all started. And by the time he was in seventh grade, I was in fourth grade and I was playing on their basketball team. So. Oh, wow. I was used to, you know, playing with older kids. And so that's kind of where it all started, chasing my older brother around. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool. It's, I've got an older brother, too. And, you know, we, we played our whole lives. I have a twin brother and an older brother, but we all played together in my uh, my parents' driveway for years. So I, I can yeah, kind of relate on, on in that yeah. part. So I know you were growing up in, in Provo, went on to uh, to Provo High School, had a pretty successful high school career. At that time, did you did you play against any future NBA players during during your high school career? Yeah, during uh, after my junior year that summer, I went to the top one hundred camp, and you know every every great player in my class was there, and there's a whole bunch of you know NBA players. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, Harrison Barnes was there. So oh wow, played with. yeah. So yeah. HB was there. So there's one of them. So that's a good connection. Um, Absolutely. Tristan Thompson was there. Um, Brandon Knight was there. There's a whole bunch. Uh, there's probably, you know, 10, 15 NBA guys there now that still play. So, yeah, that's uh, that's really impressive. Yeah, I can see you. And then you won uh, two 4A state titles in high school and overall had a really successful senior year. What was the recruitment process that led you to BYU? Um, so my best friend, uh, Brandon Davies, we went to high school together. He was a year older than me. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he played a year and a half in the NBA, and he's playing for Barcelona right now. So he's, you know, he's having a great pro career. But he, he went to BYU. My older brother was playing at BYU at the same time. So my older brother – and my best friend were at BYU. So, and BYU was literally across the street from my high school. So, <laughs> just felt you know felt right, right at home. Get to play with my my older brother and my best friend. So, for me, you know, it came down to BYU and Virginia. 
with Tony Bennett and, mm-hmm. you know, BYU just felt like the, the right fit for me. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you made the right choice, right choice for you. Um, I know you were a, uh, you played your freshman year and were a solid part of the rotation, but after your freshman year, you departed college and you went on a two year um, mission trip to, to Russia. What, what was that experience like for you? And um, were you able to, to train or play much basketball during, during that time? No, I didn't play, I didn't play any basketball for two years. <laughs> wow. That's so, crazy. No basketball, man, which, which for me, it makes my journey that much more special and, and pretty cool that, you know, I took two years off to teach people about Jesus Christ and to serve people and make mm-hmm. people's lives better. And then the fact that I'm still able to play in the NBA without playing, you know, for two years during a crucial time, you know, for basketball. Oh yeah, absolutely. I just, I found that so interesting. Cause um, like I said, as I was doing some research, I, uh, I, knew, I knew a little bit about your story, but just found a little more specifics and that you were spent two years in Russia and um, to be able to come back and, you know, play at a high level after taking two years off and still be so successful. That's, that's really impressive. Um, what was the, uh, the toughest part about coming back and uh, just playing division one basketball again, once you completed your mission? I think just, you know, with my body, you take two years off, uh, it was just tough getting the flow of things, you know, just get my body to feel right again, to get my, my balance back, my feel back. It, it took a while. And then mm-hmm. at the end of my sophomore year, the year after my mission, I actually tore my ACL. So mm-hmm. that was, you know, probably a cause of not playing for two years and then playing intense. So I tore my ACL and I was able to, I don't know if you've seen on Twitter, I'm really big with health. Yes, I've seen all that. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Like healthy eating and a healthy lifestyle, you know, healthy mindset. It all kind of stemmed from that injury. The doctor Mm -hmm. told me that if I were to change the way I eat, that I could make it back in six months. So I tore my ACL the last game of the, the season, my sophomore year. And I was able to make it back from ACL surgery in under six months and made it back for the first game the next year. So I didn't miss a game. So That's, it was pretty, pretty, pretty crazy coming back that fast. Absolutely. Yeah. And obviously, you know, your junior year, you had a, a really successful year. I could see here you averaged, you know, 14 points a game, nine rebounds a game, six assists. And you set the NCAA, NCAA single season record for, with triple doubles with six, which is really impressive. What was it about, about your game that enabled you to rack up so many uh, triple doubles during the, the second half of your collegiate career? Yeah, I think during the injury process that summer, I learned a valuable lesson about mindset and how the mind is everything. You know, I wasn't able mm-hmm. to play any basketball. Mm-hmm. I was able to, you know, I worked with a sport psychologist and we were able to which answers your question, we are able to pinpoint who I really am as a basketball player, what makes me tick. And the biggest thing is rebounding. When I rebound well, I'm in the right mindset. You know, I'm assertive. I'm pushing the break. I'm getting in the lane. I'm finding shooters. I'm getting more assists off of offensive rebounds and points. So that summer, I was able to take time and just mentally build my game. And I think – I always tell young Hoopers is the biggest skill you can have is knowing your biggest skill. And so like, it's important for people to know what makes them 
tick, what makes them really good. And I was able to, to really pinpoint that that summer. I just, I like the way that you phrase that. Um, just knowing your, your biggest skill, just such an improvement. Obviously that worked really well for you. Um, I know you finished your, your collegiate career with 12 triple doubles, um, doubling second place. Do you know who's in second place? I think it was Shaq. Shaq yeah, Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I didn't know that part. I think I, I knew a little bit about your triple double record. I think, you know, hearing it on the Mavs broadcast a couple of years ago, things like that. But uh, if, if the Shaq part was mentioned, I, I must've missed it. So in my research today and uh, earlier this week, I was like, wow, I did not know that. I thought that was so cool. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really great. So I know you wrapped up your, your collegiate career in, in 2016. Um, and then, you, you know, you ended up going undrafted in the 2016 draft, but you were picked up by the legends, um, the Mavericks D League, G League affiliate. Um, what, was, what was that experience like for you going undrafted? And, you know, how did you find out you were coming to the legends? How, how did that whole process work out? So I went to summer league with Dallas that year, my rookie mm-hmm. year. And then I signed a, a partial deal with Dallas and went to training camp. And then I decided to, instead of going overseas, had a good offer from, you know, a team in Russia. I speak Russian, you know, on paper, obviously that's a great fit, good money, mm-hmm. speak the language. But I just felt like, you know, I need to, I, I'm an NBA player, I need to stay. So I signed, after I got cut, I signed with the Legends, played my whole rookie there, year there. And just felt like I kind of, you know, from training camp all the way to the end of the year, I just kind of underperformed. And, man, I tell you what, that summer I put in some serious, serious work. There's a, there's a mountain right next to my house. It's, it's really steep. And in the mornings, me and some buddies, and sometimes just me, five days a week at 530 in the morning, we would, we would hike up the mountain, super steep. And our whole goal was not to stop, to make it up as fast as we could. It was just under a mile and up at top of the mountain, I visualize me being an NBA player and I visualize success. And I did that for about three months every morning, five days a week. And by the end of the three months, I remember just being up top and I, I visualized and worked so hard for it. I knew I was an NBA player. I just already knew I was. And then, you know, I went to the legends and played for like four weeks and then I got a call up from the Mavs and the rest was history. that's a really that's a really neat story um do you remember what you were doing when you when you got that call up and what your initial reaction was I remember it was late I was in a hotel in Frisco Mm -hmm. Texas and it it was late and coach Mack who was the head coach of the legends at the time called me he said hey be at the practice facility tomorrow at 9 30 a.m don't be late they're signing you to a two-way and Good luck. He was really excited. So it was late. It was like midnight. Wow. Sleep and showed up and, you know, went to work. That must have been quite a thrill for you. And and then some of the, the research I was doing, I, I found out that you had been, you know, a, a diehard Mavs fan since since yeah. the early 2000s. So that must have been quite a thrill for you, cause, you know, uh, pl- getting signed by the team that you had been watching for, you know, at that point, like 16 years. Yeah, it was crazy. You know, favorite player was Dirk Nowinski growing up. Loved watching J.J. Barea. And my first assist in the NBA was the Dirk. And <laughs> my first bucket 
in the NBA was a three that was assisted by J.J. Breyer. So, it, you know, it was nuts. And it, it was fun to be around those guys and to learn from them and just enjoy life with them. Oh, yeah. No, that must have been, must have been such, a, such a thrill for you, especially, you know, catching Dirk at the, the tail end of his career. But, you know, still he was still making impact. He had a pretty solid year that year. And, you know, do you have any specific memories from that first game that you played against Detroit? Uh, I think just that. I remember they ran up a play for me, like right in, out of the gates, and Dirk set a, a screen, and they were like, he's going to high hedge, so get around and look to throw Dirk and get him a shot, and that's what happened. And So, yeah, there was a lot of excitement, but I was excited to be out there and to, to prove what I could do. Yeah, who were um... – some of your your other favorite Mavs as a you know growing up as a kid um, like I said I think I found a an interview saying you think you could name maybe like every Mav from 2002 or something like that so I'm just curious yeah. uh, who some of your favorites were growing up uh later on with the, the championship team I like Jason Terry I mm-hmm. wore 31 in high school because of Jason Terry my brother wore 41 because of Dirk <laughs> so um I, I love uh Nahara. Oh, yeah. I did an episode with him, actually. Yeah, he's a good dude. I got to know him a little bit being he's still at the Mavs organization. So Mm -hmm. got to know him a little bit. Really nice dude. But I loved him. I love watching him play. Thought he was great. He's one of my favorites. A lot of people don't know about him. Obviously, Steve Nash when they had him. Yeah. Really loved uh, Josh Howard. Yeah, I did an episode with him, too. Yeah, he, he uh, he was a lot of fun to watch. Absolutely. Marquise Daniels, you know, those teams. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, those early 2000 teams were fun to watch. Ray France at center. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah that's, so. uh, right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, I did. I, I haven't been able to, to track down Rafe, uh, but I did it. I did an episode with Josh and Marquise, and uh, I really enjoyed talking to those guys. That was a lot of fun. Um, so I know you, you wrapped up the, the 2018 season here in Dallas and um, you were waived, but you were able to play on with, with them in the summer league. And then you moved on to Toronto in a training camp deal and spent some time with the Salt Lake city stars in the G league. And, uh, and now you're, you're playing in Japan. How's the experience going on in, uh, in Japan for you so far? I've seen on Twitter, you seem to really be enjoying it. Yeah. I like it a lot, man. The people are super nice here. It's a great culture. It's very like friendly and welcoming everybody's super helpful so it's been fun I've, I've been enjoying the b league out here and my teammates man they're, they're super nice it's a great group of guys coaching staff so i've enjoyed it the food's been great it's been really fun you know and something i've definitely enjoyed it's it's a blessing to be able to see a whole new world and be able to do what you love play basketball all at the same time oh yeah i'm sure it's uh Sounds like it's been a really good experience for you. Glad you're enjoying it. And then you kind of alluded to it earlier. I know you're really into uh, health and wellness. And is that becoming like a, uh, like a side business for you? Because I, I know uh, you distribute some, some guides and all that. And I've actually been it'd be interested in looking at them myself. Yeah, they're, well, for me, they, everything I do is free. Like all the, I have a, uh, 11 monthly guides right now. There'll be one more for the month of December. So I, like I was telling you, after my ACL injury, I, I changed the way I ate 
And then from there on out, it's been about seven years. I've just kept improving and adding one habit at a time. And now, you know, I love eating healthy and taking cold showers, you know, doing meditation stuff, just all the little things that make you feel so much better and make you so much more productive. So my whole philosophy is I, I'm trying to help 100,000 plus people get healthy one habit at a time. And so I come out with these monthly guides that allow people to, to pick one thing and to focus on one thing. Because in my opinion, if you're trying to not eat junk food by trying to quit junk food, you're not going to be successful. So I always tell people like subtraction by addition, you have to focus on adding one thing at a time. And as you add one thing, what happens is so like, for example, if you have a healthy green smoothie, every morning what happens is with time your identity changes and your standards raise and so what happens is hey you're like 30 days later like hey i have a green smoothie every morning so why would i be in candy bar that doesn't really fit who i am now so mm -hmm. if you focus on adding you create better energy and you're not so focused on quitting you know don't don't eat junk food don't do this so it creates a better mindset and the more you add the bad things will just kind of naturally go away with time because you, you know, you've created a new identity. So that's what I'm helping people do. Just not be so stressed about it. Like mm -hmm. it's okay. Like just focus on adding one thing at a time, keep building, be in it for the long term, and you'll see magic happen over time. That's really interesting to hear. Cause I think that's something that, you know, I struggle with. I'll go through stretches where I feel like I'm in a really good rhythm with, exercising and eating well and then it's like you know something will happen like I'll I use like I've run a lot of half marathons in my life and if I like yeah. hit like I the last one I ran which was like a couple of years ago now I've done some shorter ones but it was like my best time by like 11 minutes and then I just like lost all the motivation because I like hit this goal and I just kind of like fell off a cliff with it it's I don't, yeah yeah I've had trouble getting back into a rhythm with it, but I really want to get back to that. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And so I always say teach people lifestyle mindset versus a diet mindset. So a lifestyle mindset is in it for the long term, and it's focused on progression, not perfection. Whereas the diet mindset, kind of what you were saying, is focused on perfection within a limited amount of time. So we try to be perfect for 30 days, for 21 days or whatever. And what happens is when we make a mistake, we fall off the cliff. Like, well, I suck. I blew it. I'll start next month. January's around the corner. I'll, let me just go through these holidays and I'll start January. But it's like, no, it's like just strive to be a little better for progression. And the best way to do it is to focus on just one habit at a time. You know, I've had – it's been cool to see people – I've been following it and that have lost a lot of weight and made some big changes. And there's been a lot of people. So it's been really cool to see, to see the results come in. That's really cool to hear. And yeah, I'll probably follow your stuff a little more closely now because I'm trying to get back. Um, I was in a pretty good running rhythm recently. And then uh, unfortunately about 10 days ago, I got in a, in a car accident and I broke a rib Ooh. and I'm feeling better. Um, but I'm just kind of been taking it easy since then. Oh yeah. Those, those ribs, broken <laughs> yeah. ribs kill. Yeah. That'd yeah. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. I, I would just, it. if you go to my Twitter and click on the link in my bio, you'll, you can subscribe and everything's free on there, but I would recommend 
starting with a, a green smoothie or the intermittent fasting guide and just, and if you really want to like jumpstart things to habit stack those two, meaning like you'll intermittent fast and then you'll end your fast with the green smoothie. So the habits are interwoven together. You end one habit by starting another. So hmm. if you do sad. those two things, like it, and intermittent fasting just means like you just don't have food for a certain period of time, usually after dinner. So like you'll stop eating at 8 p.m. and then you don't eat breakfast until like 10 a.m. Wow. Or 8 to 8, which is 12 hours. Yeah. Or, and my guide has all the information about that stuff. But what that does is it gives your body a bigger gap to heal itself. Because we as humans, like we eat all the time. So our body's always focusing on digesting instead mm -hmm. of, you know, healing. So it gives us a break from food and then you end. I always tell people like, you know how people will go to the gym and then they'll, they'll leave the gym and go have a frosty from Wendy's as a mm -hmm. reward. I always tell people like, it's so dangerous to do that because the brain starts to pick up on it. Like it starts to pick up on how we reward ourselves. So now like the frosty becomes the hero because we were using it as a reward. So I always tell people like reward yourself with good for doing good because it really starts to tell the brain what's really good for you and what you really want. So by ending the fast with the green smoothie, it, it keeps the habits together and, and you know, makes that reward system using it the right way. Absolutely. That's uh, wow. That all sounds really like impactful and meaningful. I'm, I'm glad you're doing that and helping so many people. Um, so uh, how much longer do you have left in your, uh, your season in Japan or did it just start, did it just get started? Yeah, it started beginning of uh, October. So we are 12 games into it so far and it ends uh, beginning of May like early May, regular season, then we have playoffs, which go like two weeks, I think. Very cool. Well, uh, I really hope that uh, the season goes well for you and your team. I've got uh, one last question, and this is uh, typically how, how I like to end these conversations when I'm talking to a former Mav. And um, so, and yours, I'm going to give you a choice of uh, two questions um, you can answer or two options you can answer. So I know you said you're a, you know, a lifelong Mavs fan. Um, so I wanted to see if you could name all of the Mavs from the, the 2006 team that went to the finals or all of the Mavs that, that you played with in your I season. In Dallas. I could definitely name all the Mavs I played with. So I'll, I will strive for the 2006. All right. Let's see if you, <laughs> this, this could be fun. Yeah, this is going to be, it's going <laughs> to test, test my knowledge. So we have Dirk, Jason, Terry, uh, Josh Howard. Marquise Daniels, ooh, the center. Was uh, Eric Dampier in that team? Yes, he was. You're doing well so far. Um, JJ was not, or was he? Hold on. No, no, he came the no, next season. 2000, yep. He was part of the 2011. Okay, so not him. So who started? We had Jason Terry started, Josh yeah. Howard, Dirk, Eric Dampier. Who yep. started that? No, Jason Terry, he did he come off the bench? Uh he started a lot of games. Uh um, a lot. Yeah. He started a lot under Avery Johnson. So he got a collection of uh 
guys that weren't in Dallas very long. There was one guy that was one of your assistant coaches. Oh, D.A., Derek yep. Armstrong. Yeah, that's – But you got uh, – he, Yeah, he's, he's so funny, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I had him on for an episode, too. That was a lot of fun. Got eight oh, guys which, left. Oh, we got uh, Jerry Stackhouse. Was, there you how, go. Was he, okay, we have – that's who it was. Devin Harris. Yeah, he was there. Yeah. And that's that's all I that's all okay. I can remember probably. Yeah, uh, you got a uh, Sagana Jop, okay. um, Adrian Griffin, DJ Banga, Josh Powell, and uh, Keith Van Horn was probably the last like big big name. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then um, a couple guys that didn't really play all that much, but were technically on the roster: Pavel Podkolzin and uh, and Raul Marshall. Dang. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So um, I usually I ask like you know the ones that the the guys played with, but uh, you know, and like I said in my research, I you know you talked about being a Mavs fan your whole life, so I thought this might be a fun one too. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I got a few. I got six or seven of them. Yeah, yeah, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I really appreciate your time tonight, Kyle. It was cool to to learn a little more about you, and I hope uh, the rest of the season goes well for for you and your team in in Japan. Thanks, man. Thanks for reaching out. Go Mavs. Yeah.